doing all right i'll I, uh, say uh, you're in you're in a sweet unique spot when it comes to interviews i've done <laughs> how so well you know there's the whole global pandemic thing going on oh that old chestnut <laughs> yeah i even uh, i haven't haven't done an interview during one of those before yeah it's my first how were you at how are you holding up uh, I'm doing okay. I I think I'm all right with it for a couple of reasons. Just personally, I mean, I'm not okay with how things are how things are happening and what's oh, going on. Yeah. But I, I this didn't really sneak up on me. Um, I've kind of r- had an eye on it pretty closely for the last three weeks or so. Even when it was before it broke out in Italy, um, mm-hmm. I just had a couple of friends who were particularly concerned about it and started a text thread, and it just kind of kept yeah. me glancing around and watching it and it just really from the very early stages looked like something that was going to be a lot worse than anybody was considering and it's weird to have had that fear but have this natural you know built-in tendency to kind of go man it really looks like it could be a world-changing pandemic event and part of your brain's like yeah it probably won't though right (laughs) i mean that only happens in the movies, and now we're watching the numbers just, you know, I, I have the tracker, and every time I refresh it, the numbers go up. It's just a, know, little, a little unreal. It's kind of exciting, and I don't, I don't mean to, you know. You know, I'm glad you said that, because it is. I feel uh, so alive, But in a way. <laughs> like, everybody's I don't know. paying attention to the same thing. It's, I'm not know, saying it's good news. There's interesting about it, but. Yeah. It's it. There's something interesting. It's not good news, and no, it shouldn't no. be exciting. And it's not a good thing to admit. But there is something unique and interesting about the fact that everyone is talking about this. I don't know that everyone's. I don't, you, you remember after 9/11 happened, and there was this brief window, like at least in America, where there was this pervading sense of we're all in this together and we got to come together. And it was just, it's the Somewhat only thing that I, know, I can really yeah, ever, yeah. Re- well, it's the only thing I can really remember for any kind of sense. How old of were you kind of, when 9-11 happened? Uh, when was that? 2001? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I was 20 something. Mm-hmm. 23 or four, I guess. 22. I don't know. 23. <laughs> Where were you at? I was sleeping on a couch in Orlando, Florida, and wow. I woke up just living it up to the just yeah, living the dream, and <laughs> and uh, remember that quite well. But it was it was the time after that. Uh-huh. It's the only time that I remember being similar to now. In uh, but this is this is bigger in a way because it's the world. Um, yeah, yeah, it's the world. It's the world. Well, do you feel that you do you think that unity is happening right now, or do you think there's more divisiveness? No. no. No, there's it's turning into, you know, there's a lot of people pushing a lot of xenophobia and a lot of it's racist crazy, rhetoric, man. and it's a little fucking insane to be honest. But. <laughs> it's absolutely <clears throat> insane. Yeah. Like what the hell? For for the first couple of weeks, it was like okay, the left is overreacting. I saw the virus being called a hoax from several yeah. several outlets. 
Oh yeah. And then I was like, well, hold up, let's uh, let's assess this. Things just went to shit so quick, man. And what's so funny is, I uh, I was I'm in Michigan right now. So are you in California? Uh, I'm in North Carolina. Gotcha. How's what's going on in North Carolina? What's the situation well, I there? I kind of hide out in a little town in the mountains uh, in oh, Asheville. Clean and yeah, and it's it's nice, um, but it's ostensibly a tourist town in a way, mm-hmm. or the, a lot of big part of the economy has become tourism really? here. And um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, that when when people stop traveling and stop visiting and going places, you know, it's a big. I mean, the whole the whole industry here is hotels and restaurants and yeah that's the thing that's going to be the craziest is like you can't just have millions of jobs lost for at least a month and the economy be okay like it's it's bananas the craziest thing about this is how many um areas of just everyday life that it touches like it's almost that there's almost nothing untouched by it no because Um, there's no you can't do it's just it's forcing us to reassess like everything and I think that's part of what it is that's interesting about it to me or exciting or whatever the right word is. It is exciting. It, it's, is like, it's, it's, it makes us feel more alive, and that's not in a way that, that like, we're that happy It's just it's unlike anything it, we've experienced before. You know, it's, it's like just a slap in the going face. Through, yeah, and it's kind of um, exposes the extreme fragility of modern society. You know? Absolutely, man. Like, like when, you, when you knock over the right domino and you see it hit every other domino on the board like like this has you mm-hmm. really understand just how delicate the whole thing is i mean we all live in a big old house of cards and something right. like this can really show you just how easily the thing can not be knocked down i know and, and of course it's in an election year of course it is oh i know right now we're thinking like holy shit like <laughs> how's that whole capitalism thing working out <laughs> like Healthcare. It's going that's to be a very bizarre year. Yeah, when you throw the election into this too, this is like I, like the primaries still went through on uh, yeah. Tuesday, like yeah. yesterday. Like what? I don't even know what happened. I know Ohio canceled it. Like yeah, I think one canceled and three other states went through with it. Damn man. Yeah, I was up in uh, Thursday and Friday. I was up in like the Upper Peninsula of Michigan with like no internet, no news. So I didn't check the news for about. 48 plus hours and like when i came back oh my god (laughs) Mm -hmm. like because michigan had it was it was on our primaries day which was so funny that tuesday which was i think march 10th that was the day we were voting and that was the first day we had confirmed cases and we had two confirmed cases and then i think by by wednesday all the major universities started going to online schooling and it was like, wow, that's crazy. And then I just went off the grid. And by the time I came back, all schools were closed. The governor had declared an emergency. Can't have more than like five people in a place at a time. All restaurants and bars and gyms are closed. And it was just like, this is like real. Like this isn't, yeah. like this is a very well, real thing. And the curve, the whole curve thing, like when you look at the numbers, um, like I was looking at something just today that uh-huh. we've all seen the graphs and we know what the curve along the X, Y looks like visually. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the numbers, it was, we went from zero cases to a hundred thousand cases in an, it took 97 days and we went from a hundred thousand to 200,000 cases in 12 days. That's fucking nuts. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> 
when you look at like that, oh, you, it's man. really cause to be really, really concerned. That's crazy. I just feel like there's so much that we don't know. Yeah. And, peop- and, and it's so weird how much people are bucking against. Like, what? I just don't understand where the argument is against being safe. Like, and I understand. Yeah, like, there's, people, are, people are lazy. <laughs> it's just weird, man. Like, yeah. like, there was helicopter footage of Clearwater Beach in Florida a oh, couple of days I, ago. I saw somebody show me like, that. I couldn't what, believe that. What the... No. What are you doing, dude? What it is, is it's... It, it, yes, it's people are lazy, but I think it's more that people underestimate the power of our habits, and we're such habit-based creatures that, like, mm-hmm. it takes... It takes a lot to knock people out of their patterns and habits for long periods of time i mean right. people couldn't even stay home for a weekend last weekend much less them saying know. you know the next six months to a year and like just literally the worst time like it's spring break it's saint patrick's day like yeah the most hopping popular times mardi like, gras was this month yeah like holy shit dude and people are just like acting i don't know i just don't i don't get it i don't get it just stay home just, just chill out. Stay and I home think, and watch movies. I know, and it's such a bummer because this is such a brilliant, tremendous opportunity to look at our political system, our healthcare system, and then most importantly, like ourselves. Like, think about what you do every day on a basis, and like, get back to who you are. Like, literally, look at what you enjoy. Like, this is such an amazing chance to like completely reconfigure a lot of things. And I don't think it's going to be that way. But it's an amazing thing. I, like, it's such an opportunity to just stop and look at something, despite all of the cons, obviously. But Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what, what comes out of this. I mean, it's just something that, you know, no one, this is, cla- it's beyond class. It's beyond, I know. you know, race and gender and beliefs and religions. And this is something that is indiscriminatory to human beings. And so I think, there's an opportunity there to find commonality, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see it, if it goes that way. When I first saw Trump like address the nation, and it was like the first time I'd ever seen him like even a bit like shaken, and yeah. I, it, that was like, damn, like that that the biggest head on the planet like finally was like, yeah, maybe I'm not bigger than this. Well, it's just <laughs> that for someone who so clearly exists in their own private reality and most people can at least sort of agree that he kind of just lives in his own version of reality right that this has penetrated that reality which to me is pretty profound yeah i saw like it was a it was a line of quotes from him from like march 1st to present day and yeah i saw that yeah i I was like damn he just said and he says we got blindsided by it and it's like homie no he didn't (laughs) i don't know about that one and I remember no. feeling like, I don't know, I didn't feel, I didn't put too much stock in it. I don't know. I can't say that because I definitely did. But it definitely felt like we were behind the bit a little bit. I was just like, so what's, like, what are we doing? And they were like, he was like, yeah, we got it. No, <laughs> we're, we're hugely, hugely behind. I mean, we had every opportunity to look left and right and see what was coming our way. And, you know, we just ignored too. Um, yeah, man. So now we're now we're paying for it. Do you? Have I, cases? I think I mean, we're still on the upswing. You know, we're not even. We have not even begun to level off, much less. I know. Go down. We're still going up. I don't even know how all this is going to work, like at all. Like how long? No one does. No one's really ever experienced this. Not anybody alive. You know. 
Yeah, it's just like these next two weeks or even, you know, further are just so important to see how many people actually just isolate themselves. And thankfully, I've been seeing a lot of positive, like, reinforcement of the idea that this is an opportunity to, like, watch movies and explore art and be with the people that you love, like, most. And I hope that... I hope that a lot of people are practicing that. And the whole hoarding thing is just tough because capitalism... Yeah, I mean, maybe this is a little encouragement to just not take shit for granted as much as we're prone to as people. I agree. But movies. Yeah, stuffed. Right? (laughs) Stuffed. Stuffed. (laughs) Which seems totally ridiculous in comparison. (laughs) But we soldier on. (laughs) That we do. Tell me about stuff, man. How did you come to work on it? Loved it, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, I got on board that project um, immediately after scoring this film called The Ritual that I did. Loved The Ritual. Uh, Had a very fun time with that. Yeah, that's a fun one. I'm going to probably – I'll have to rewatch it again because I didn't know – I I didn't know you'd done that until we were going to do this, so I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, I did that um, in 2017 and over in London, and it was a very intense experience. Um, really? You know, it's a pretty intense film, but it was just a really intense experience in terms of um, – uh, there, there's a lot out there about – there's a nice little behind the scenes about the music that kind of documents, like, just the madness of trying to put that score together over there and the amount of time I had and everything else. But mm-hmm. coming out of it, um, you know, it's a – it's dark and intense and um, kind of takes a lot out of you emotionally. And um, there's a lot of anxiety and, um, you know, downright terror that that went into or that comes out of the, the, the score for that. And so when I was coming out of that, this stuff came along and it was sort of an opportunity to to sort of put on a different suit and, and kind of swing back into uh, something more melodic yeah. and something more light and something, um, you know, uh, something with more harmony and more melody, you know, to it. And so I, I kind of threw my arms out and embraced, you know, mm-hmm. a chance to kind of get back into that. And um, the director, Aaron Durham, uh, we had worked on a short film together a few years ago um, after we had met and, She's just stayed in touch and, and sort of always, you know, been a big supporter. And um, she's always said, you know, eventually whenever I do a feature, you know, you're the first call I'm going to make. And, and that tend, ended up being true. She called me at the very beginning of the project and um, wanted me to come on board just as they had first started shooting. And um, her idea was that she wanted uh, music to help guide and inform the way she put the film together um she responds very specifically and very strongly to music and um she i remember her saying something like i want to make a film about i want to make a film that's driven by emotion not facts and um Mm. so she wanted music instead of you know cutting the film and then handing it to a composer to score she wanted music to be created as she was exploring the subject um, from a filmmaking standpoint. So I would get chunks of the film and little bits of uh, sometimes just raw footage and, you know, they'd go and they'd shoot an event or they'd find another character and then they'd say, oh, you know, we just met this 
this great guy and he's you know he's a he's swedish but he but he grew up in iowa and he's like a cowboy but he's like really sensitive and it and it's and you know so i would watch footage where they would have filmed this character and they say we, we're really liking this this guy and we, you know, we he needs like a certain sound and a certain palette uh, of, yeah. of, of of mood and then they would say oh you know we just we went to the world taxidermy competition and we met these two dutchmen in uh, Amsterdam and they they have a whole different take on it and their work is incredible so we need like you know a different sound for them and so as characters would start to kind of populate the film I would get little bits and chunks and I would sort of use that to um, to kind of create these different little um, well, I, I kind of called them musical dioramas because mm-hmm. it, every one of them is different and there's not a sort of one sound for the whole film it's just kind of like a bunch of musical vignettes that that are sort of wrapped around these different characters yeah i definitely felt that i felt that while watching it it was kind of like the thesis was sort of like well what if the music is sort of like a a a trip to a natural history museum for your ears you know where you sort of Hmm. walk around and sort of peer into the the different um exhibits you know and each one has a little frozen moment in nature where the animals are there and their habitat and then you know you you walk 10 feet over and then there's a whole different one and you know i kind of wanted them to be as different as walking from a polar bear standing on an iceberg you know then you walk to the next exhibit and it's you know a deer in the woods and then you've got a lion in the jungle so I kind of I felt like the the way the film was shaping up, it was starting to be a little bit of that sense of um, uh, kind of exploring these different little these different people's little worlds, and then you would kind of be whisked away to another one, and um, the music started to kind of take shape mm-hmm. like that. For sure, man, that gives me a lot to think about. I, when you I listen to the soundtrack, you can sort of hear you can kind of get a sense of how. Um, you're getting these. You're getting kind of dropped into these different characters' lives and worlds. Yeah, it was very. There was a very the distinct like narrative to it in a way, and it, it definitely felt like it wasn't the whole. It, it didn't sound like you scored for the whole piece, but you it, like what you said. It sounded like you were you were along for the ride with the entire thing, where each each stop had its own voice, its own. Yeah, and part of that was feeling. process was dictated by process in that you know I was writing just writing music that they were then cutting scenes to the music instead of the mm-hmm. other way around. And then That's part of it was, yeah. And the other side of it was that, um, you know, this wasn't a documentary that's telling a single story that was preexisting that you go out and you gather the facts and you tell that story, you know, yeah, yeah. usually this was more like a, a deep dive exploration into a subculture. And mm-hmm. it's the kind of thing where you just kind of, you dive in and then you kind of, find it in the edit you know you just film characters and you do interviews and you you kind of find what's interesting about it and um that's why i think it's sort of i said well you know let's let's not worry about it trying to be this one piece of music with all these different variations let's just you know take a little uh take a little journey through a lot of different people's lives and yeah it felt like a a diary journalistic sort of vibe where because the way they were talking was very personal, and it sounded mm-hmm. like the things that they say to themselves about their work, and so it felt like you were just getting a glimpse into, like it was like reading a diary entry. And of course, every person's entry is going to sound a little different. 
it does and then and then you realize really what the film's about is um you know the one thing that they all have in common is that they all love animals Mm -hmm. which is i think if you don't know much about the art which i didn't neither did the director going into it it's easy to find that surprising or just i think the film just really teaches you how little you know about it if it's not something that is an interest of yours yeah and you get into it and you realize that um you know all these characters and personalities have all these different backgrounds and a lot of them have different political beliefs and um you know they a lot of these characters don't agree on most things but Mm -hmm. they all have this you know deep genuine love for nature and yeah it's an appreciation for them themselves because i think they all realize that despite all the other things that you listed they're all a part of it they're all the same thing and i think that that's what they tap into and that's what they get is like they're just an expression that they're not they're not stopping the story and exploiting the animals they're just continuing the story of it because they're a part of that story yeah and there's a lot of it that is motivated by preservation and really just an appreciation of the beauty of nature you know it's really a film about art and about nature and you know challenging stereotypes i think absolutely because like similarly i went into it just excited because i've only i went to this shop near my home and it's like an oddball and oddities shop and they have a lot of like fetuses and a lot of the rogue taxidermy type pieces that are really interesting Mm -hmm. and really artsy and i just remember walking in there and like the energy of the place is not there's no negativity but it's it's just so different and it's so niche and i think there's definitely a lot of stigma that like oh my gosh dead things you're morbid like leave those things alone but just talking people think of them more as they think of them more as a mortician when really they're they're artists you know they're they're scientists almost you know i mean you have to be able to to measure diagram and recreate the anatomy of this animal to then put the skin on it. I mean, the, the level of detail that goes into these things is extraordinary. I know it's, it's incredible. Like it's something that my mind could never even begin to undertake, like just the passion and they all have that thing where they have to finish it. Like they have Mm -hmm. to recreate it exactly as it is or else that Mm -hmm. like wasn't, that wasn't Mm -hmm. the point. And I think it's amazing. It's really fascinating because I also feel like they, like I said, they, they understand their part. Like they understand that they are equals to the animals. And so I feel like that puts them even more in the process of like, wow, I'm this organic creature that's just preserving this other organic creature. And it's, it's just continuing the whole cycle. It's just a mm-hmm. really amazing form of appreciation. I agree. I agree. And it, it guided me all, all along, all throughout, you know, it was yeah. that that's the, really the word They're, they all are very, very passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, that is very inspiring to someone like me who's looking for inspiration to create art about their art, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Did you go to any museums in the whole process of scoring or anything? Um, I, you know, I did go to a few in London when I was over there, and then we had a really incredible uh, screening at the L.A. Uh, Natural History Museum. Oh, um, that's awesome. In, of Los Angeles County and downtown right next to USC, and they hosted 
uh, an L.A. premiere of Stuffed in one of the main diorama halls. Oh, it that's was amazing, man. Such an amazing event and evening. It was so cool to see it there among all the exhibits. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I got to meet some of the characters that are that are in the film and that's so cool man were they yeah. were they pleased with it were they did they feel represented and oh yeah know? and and you know i think it's such a love letter to both to the professionals who do this work and it's also a love letter to the subjects you know to the animals and the nature that yeah. that they're so passionate about i think it's a love letter to them as well through the eyes of these artists and i, I think that they really appreciate that yeah, they were starring in it. And I remember while watching it, I just felt more than ever like while looking at these, um, the figures that like they were, they were persons almost like when they, when they yeah, would show no, animals, can, can like anybody, I know that animal. Yeah. yeah, it's a good way to put it that, that the work, it really stars in the movie as much as or more than the characters mm-hmm. who are there making them. And I think most of those characters would prefer it that way, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. Hmm. I really want to go to a museum now, but unfortunately, I don't. I don't know the next time. Yes. Okay, I'll be able to. Those are closed. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your work on it, man. I, I really loved it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna listen to the score. I think. Yeah, the soundtrack is a fun. Its yeah, own. it's a fun ride through the. Is there a know, physical release, or is there going to be a physical release? Right now, there's just a digital release, but I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that you know, if more people are checking it out and enjoying it, yeah. that, um, somebody will want to do a vinyl. I've had good. Good fortune um, the last few years with getting a lot of vinyl releases out for some of these scores, and I think that yeah. this one would be an awesome one to have. Yeah, it, that would be really interesting just in the terms of the whole movie, just having a physical, like, permanent copy know, of right? the music. Yeah. It, would, it would just make it, you know, the whole thing. I can, like, see the art. The art could be really, really fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's about something that's so tactile and physical mm-hmm. as an art form. You know, I think it would be really appropriate. Absolutely, man. Well, do you want to tell me a bit about how you uh, came to score music and if you went to school, how you how you even got there in the first place? Tell me a bit about your childhood. Uh, you it was want. kind of an accident. Um, I didn't I didn't go to school or anything. I, I mm-hmm. grew up in the sort of rural part of Georgia and there okay. wasn't any real opportunity to do anything like that. Um, yeah. I, it just never really crossed my mind. I, you know, I think growing up, I never really considered learning to play music because it just never seemed like one of the things that was an option. Really? I just didn't think of it in that way. There was no accessibility to it, you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't know anyone that played an instrument, you know, other than maybe, like, the lady who played organ at the church or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I just never really thought about it in that way. It was almost like a magical power you were born with or something. Um, and it wasn't until I was a teenager and sort of discovered punk rock and bought an electric oh, guitar. and Here we go. That's kind of how I got into it, you know. What bands making, were you into? Uh, in high school, you know, I was in high school during Nirvana and during. Um, oh wow! You know, I was listening to Bad Religion, and I so was you listening lived to those, like it. West Coast punk bands. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and so I was, you know, Fugazi, and like I got into all mm-hmm. this stuff in high school, and just, you know somebody kind of I met a kid you know at a show and he was just kind of like you know showed me how to hold my hands to make like a power chord and he was like you kind of just do your hand like this and then you can just kind of do that pretty much anywhere and that's (laughs) kind of how you play guitar and I was like oh I can do that (laughs) so that's kind of how it started you know I mean I just started by learning how to 
make a bunch of racket as a means of self-expression really. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, accidentally wound up, you know, at a party in college a few years later where I met a group of ambitious, inspired uh, kids who were, you know, all a year ahead of me in school and um, had all gotten to know one another and were kind of rallying together to make this movie. And um, mm. someone someone had suggested to them that, you know, I do the music for it. And I tried to convince them that was a terrible idea because I didn't know anything about scoring a movie. I barely knew uh, how to play guitar. Mm. And, you know, they kind of said, or at least the guy who was the, kind of the, the leader of the whole um, revolution of this thing was just kind of like, well, we don't know anything about making a movie. So why should you be afraid of scoring it? It's <laughs> like... Well, that's you got true, me there. Man. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And um, that's that was my first uh, movie scoring experience. That's so exciting, so man. So how did you music score that? For a, <laughs> I had a Casio keyboard, an acoustic yeah. guitar, like a little PV amp with like one eight-inch speaker in it, you know. <laughs> uh, borrowed a nicer, like, keyboard from a friend who had that had, like, you know, strings and horns and stuff i mean this was this was in 1997 i think or eight Mm -hmm. so you know i had a very i had very primitive access to i mean when we were dubbing this music onto the movie it was on like a svhs tape that had you could dub the second audio channel you know manually recording Mm -hmm. onto it while the tape rolled i mean this is you know it was we had very primitive stuff but what what ended up happening is i was coming out of college in 99 2000 right as like the dv and mini dv and all that stuff sort of first came across you know that was the Mm -hmm. advent of digital recording for video and things and digital recording for audio had was just a step ahead of it it had just been around uh, for a short while and so i kind of felt like you know and that was me like kind of early 20s coming out of school just entering the world um, as a, you know, individual, and I sort of came up riding the wave of people exploring this new medium and this, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all these new tools that were suddenly available. You know, you could just, you know, for a fraction of what it used to cost, you could go out and rally a bunch of people together and get enough equipment to actually shoot and make something and cut it together into something that vaguely resembled an actual movie. You know, so and you do that. Yeah, it was incredible, and I feel like we kind of came up on that. We mm-hmm. rode the wave of that, and um, uh, I don't know. It, it managed. It allowed us to learn on the job, you know. Mm-hmm. Learn by doing. That was kind of my then education. You just kept going, huh? Yeah, basically, I just ne- I had that opportunity, you know, at the party in college, and then I just never stopped. Basically. <laughs> so you got a party in college, is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, you got to party. Well, you do because you got to meet people. You got to find out what they're doing. You got to, you know, get in with. Yeah, (laughs) you either need to be the one to rally the people or find someone who is. And and, because you know these things, these these things take a lot of people to make. And Mm -hmm. it's good. It's a good opportunity to. I think I just wanted to be part of something that was a collective effort. You know, Mm -hmm. be part. You know, be part of something bigger than yourself that you feel a sense of shared ownership with and yeah. there's something about that that can be really inspiring and motivating and you never know where it'll lead you 
you know? That's what it's all about. Did you grow up in a musical household? My dad would air drum to Beatles songs in the car. Oh, I love it. And I remember that quite well. I think that was my... That's basically what counts for music education. Do you have any songs that fit in your head, like, specifically by the Beatles that he did? Hmm. Yeah, I can all, I can really... Like, one of my earliest memories is just watching him play all the... He would, he'd drive and he'd hit the steering wheel and he'd, he'd hit the the rear view mirror like as the crash symbol and he'd do all the Ringo <laughs> fills to uh here comes the sun oh yeah and he'd go boom and he'd hit the rear view mirror so it was really i I, jo- I say that jokingly but i really mean like i think that watching him mime out the individual drum parts in a song like that over and over and over as a kid growing up mm-hmm I think it really did form a very fundamental basis of understanding, you know, the rhythm and that the crash symbol was kind of over here. Yeah. And he would kind of go from the left side of the steering wheel to the right when he'd go. <laughs> and he, you know, he was just a, a he, he played drums in a band in high school, you know, just, uh, <laughs> yeah. and so that was, you know, and that was, that was my, he passed that on to me. That's so funny, man. What um, what else would you like to do, scoring wise? Mm. I'd like to do a space movie. Oh hell yeah! With Haven't some done or something. What are you thinking? Haven't done a space movie yet. Um, I don't know. Space feels like a lot of brass to me. Space space feels really? very yeah, much yeah. like you gotta get into the horns and the, mm. you know, the strings and the horns for for space. I think. Um. Yeah, I don't know. That's there's I've done a lot of m- movies and done a lot of different kinds of movies, but I've never done anything in outer space. So I think I, that's well, let's that's do it, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm down. Send me your space <laughs> movie scripts, people. <laughs> For sure. I mean, other than that, musically, I'm just always you know trying to look for opportunities to do things musically I haven't done mm-hmm. before. Um, I think that's probably why I keep coming back to the film stuff um, is because it allows me opportunities to make so many different kinds of music. And there's not mm-hmm. any one kind of music I like more than any other kind. You know, I just like I like music, period. <laughs> and so yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, it's made for an interesting life for me. And um, that's, you know, other than. Other than that, I mean, just I'm always looking for good stories. I mean, there's nothing yeah. beats the opportunity to just be part of a film that's telling a good story. Do you feel like you uh, you are where you wanted to be or where you need to be right now? Oh, who knows? You know, <laughs> I am where I am. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's, you know, it's going to be true no matter how I feel about it. So. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You're always where yeah. you are. That's yeah. pretty true. <laughs> and wherever else you go, you're going to take yourself with there. you. So <laughs> so I just sort of feel like, you know, this is this is where I'm at. This is mm-hmm. this is it's all happening, you know. Always. Who knows where I've been or where I'm going, but How'd you end up in North Carolina? Uh cuz I'd never been here. Um or at least I'd never been to Asheville. That's a good now. answer. <laughs> yeah, I I just visited here years back because I was kind of in a mode of only wanting to go places I'd never been. And uh-huh. um, 
and I visited here, and um, there's this great recording studio here called Echo Mountain, and mm-hmm. um, it's a like an old church that was converted into a studio, and it really has a vibe, and there was just kind of a cool thing going on around it at the time, and I decided I wanted to come back and you know, record something. So I came back and recorded some songs for a record I was doing. And then I came back a year later and I worked on a film score here. And then a few years later, I wound up just renting a studio suite from them and moving all my stuff into there. And years after that, I ended up getting a house here. And so now this has become home base for me. And I'm just back in LA when, when I need to be. Hmm. Nice, man. You sound like you're on a very good journey. Do you think you'll stay there, or do you think you're going to end up going elsewhere for permanence? Uh, I don't know. I sort of resist permanence. Um, I think well, that, there is none if we want to get yeah, that Yeah, and that's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, I don't know. I, I Sometimes I get the itch that, you know, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean... It's a really nice place to come back to, uh, to come home to. And for, for somebody that has to travel and, and be on the move as much as I do, mm-hmm. uh, it's a nice place to come back to. So I don't know. I'm sure that I will find myself with a zip code in another with different numbers in it at some point. What about another country? Yeah, I mean, that's kind Ooh. of something that I want to do before I die. But I hope I have hope I have some time there before that comes around. Yeah. How Lately, I'm not so sure. How's like, how's your job going to be affected by all this that's going on? Is are things like weird or more silent than usual? I mean, I assume, but like, how is it? How's uh, it feeling? You know, I don't know, and I don't think anybody really knows. I do think that, you know, the entertainment industry will continue to move forward. Um, right. I know that all active productions have been shut down for in most places. I know, like. Yeah. Netflix shut everything down. Oh, every every crazy, studio dude. and How everything. How much is that going to take a toll? Because it's that's like one of the industries that just has to move like twenty four seven. Like I know, fast. I know. There's going to be a lot of effects to that. Now the projects that I'm all attached to at the moment are all things that have already been shot and are in post. Ooh. And so Yay. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know how much I'll see an effect of that. Other than I've noticed. The email chains have fallen very silent, <laughs> and the phone has yeah. been very silent. So I don't know that how much of it's affecting the gigs, or if it's just that people are out of work. If they're just at home, right. they're not at work, and people are, their kids are home from school, and they're dealing with that. And so you know, nobody really knows. This thing is still so fresh. I know when nobody I, knows when how I, long it's going to last. When I remembered like that, we were going to do the interview. I was like, damn, like. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess this is the best time to do an interview. <laughs> like, I don't know, even yeah, that see, just like, felt kind of funky. But this a is a way. very solitary job, you know, like it's a yeah. lot of hours alone in a room. So like, mm-hmm. right, you know, right. Ben, ben Lovett quarantine version and Ben Lovett normal is like kind of <laughs> there's there's nothing that appears any different, really. You're honestly. not like, hey, or, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just still getting up and all I really do is shuttle between the house and the studio and the maybe the grocery store i've just cut out mm. the grocery store that's pretty <laughs> much been the only difference man well thanks for talking to me i really appreciate it yeah i glanced at your um when i was when they sent me the link i glanced at the soundcloud page and i saw yeah, yeah. um some some friends and some familiar names and faces so i was gonna oh, really I was gonna ask you questions so i'll oh, name a person that you interviewed and then you tell me I don't know, whatever the first thing that comes to mind. The gossip. 
Katie, Katie Byron. Oh my goodness. Everybody from Color Out of Space was so sweet, man. So cool. sweet. Katie was incredibly kind and like I think I'm going to end up doing production design myself in the future. <laughs> so I've enjoyed talking to production designers a lot and she was just so thoughtful about like the research that she did for the film and she she just had these really wonderful I don't know if you listened did you listen to it or no? Uh, no, I just quickly glanced and I said, "Oh." And then I gotcha. started seeing people I knew and I said, "Okay, yeah, I I'll do this. Tell them <laughs> tell them I'm I'm totally down." Yeah, cool, man. So yeah, like she was just telling me these really intimate stories about working with Richard Stanley like on set and like that whole set just seemed that everybody was working for it because they really wanted to be on that movie. Yeah. And yeah. she was just she was very very sweet. And we got well, to She's all of those things you mentioned. She's she's kind, she's thoughtful. Uh and I think all of that stuff goes into her work and I haven't been surprised that she's she's been so successful in what she's done because she's somebody that cares about what she does and and it shows in the work. Yeah, man. I mean, when I interview people, all I really, the, I, I'm very rarely disappointed when I talk to someone because all I'm really wanting is someone to just be genuine and just like talk about what they love. And she like, and I could tell immediately, like you can just tell as soon as you start talking to someone that they're just like into what they do. And she absolutely mm-hmm. was like we, the first couple minutes, we're just talking about her new keto diet and we're just like fucking around. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like that's. Like, this isn't some big thing where you're being interviewed and it's like, whoa. Like, we're just, it's just a place to shamelessly talk about what you love doing. And she did that perfectly. Well, I got another kind and thoughtful person, uh, David Hines. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a deep cut. It looked like that was pretty far back on the list. Yeah, that was a minute ago. He was like, I felt like he took me under his wing a little bit. He's a lovely human being. He gave me some fantastic advice just about generally following what you want to do. I remember him mm-hmm. being so patient when we talked. He yeah. was really, really patient. And he was very like, like he, it felt like, because obviously he, we were talking about the American folk film that he had directed and like he did everything for it. But there was, I scored was, it. What? How did I not know this? Hold on. <laughs> Wait yeah. a second. Yeah, I did the music for that. <laughs> well, that's cool, how I know man. David. Yeah. It's full circle. So yeah. yeah, like he was just super humble talking about how he did it. And he, he was just excited to talk about it rather than like, he wasn't discussing it as if it was a pride thing. And I was just super invested in the idea of him like traveling cross country to get it done. Yeah. Right. Very sweet person. I'm so happy that you did that film. Wow. Yeah. That was a great experience for me. Um, another one that I saw on there um, was Jeff Russo. Oh, yeah. Jeff Jeff is probably the scariest uh, <laughs> guest I've ever had. Like, like, not a scary guy, but, like, far and away one of the most, like... Accomplished. Yeah, I was just like... Because yeah. I was trying to talk to him for months. Like, it was like... It's been, like, a couple years that I've been trying to chat with him. And obviously, I'm like a tremendous fan of Fargo, like top shows ever for me. Yeah. And then just randomly, it was like, yep, Jeff has a, has time. And it was honestly really intimidating um, to finally talk to him. And I wish we would have gotten t- to talk longer because like before we did the interview, it was determined that it was going to be 20 minutes. That was like set away, which I don't like. And obviously, I'm not going to complain about it. And I understand it because like what like... 
that's a busy man. <laughs> but yeah. I, it was just a bummer that like, oh man, like I really want to like talk to him, talk to him. And when you go into a conversation with a time limit, there's already sure. some like, there's some like apprehension involved. So I wish I would have gotten to talk to him longer. That's my only, the only thing I have to say. But besides that, he was just, you just feel the knowledge. Like he's just mm-hmm. in what he does. And he, yeah, and I really like the way he works with Fargo. Like primarily he uses a lot of like, uh, like inanimate objects and like field recording type vibes and like puts that into the show. And I really like that and appreciate that. So great. You got, you guys are friends then? Yeah, we, uh, we have the same agent and we met uh, years back. Yeah. It's so um, funny. Like he's uh, maneuvering between advice. That's cool, man. I'm so happy to hear that. It's really funny. Like, cause I'll be having so many email chains going and then I just see like the same name or like the the same PR reps. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And we're like, we're talking about like three different clients, but they're all different email chains and it's the same. Yeah. You know, there's not that. Yeah. There's only a few. There's such a specialized thing that there's just a very, I'm sure, you know, if you're on the other end of it, there's just a very kind of small amount of players. uh, Yeah. And it's funny how my podcast has just become like, like I would, I would feel comfortable saying that I've interviewed composers more than anybody else because that's, like I feel like I've just gotten a little bit of an in with like the composers mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. like they're all, they're all I've never met a composer that wasn't just like so geeked about what they do like Colin Stetson <laughs> is just yeah. my dude he's just so cool we talked a couple weeks ago for Color Out of Space and he's from Ann Arbor which is where I'm staying yeah I thought he Michigan. was from Michigan yeah 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 so that's that's really cool. So yeah, man, I'm happy you know those people. Anybody else? Uh, those were the three that I can remember when I glanced. Mm-hmm. Um, there were others, but um, some were pe- familiar names, but not people that I know. Yeah, well. yeah. Well, cool, man. Thank you for asking me those questions. I appreciate yeah. that. No one, no one's done that. No one's, no one's <laughs> actually. I mean, Katie did because I interviewed um, Katie the night of the day that I interviewed Stephen, the DP for Color Out of Space. And they know each other, so that was really funny. Because oh, yeah. Katie was like, "Oh my god, yeah, I know Steven. but it, it was so crazy. Color out of space. I interviewed like, I interviewed everybody from the cast within like four days, <laughs> or like everybody from the crew. It was it was really nice. I and still haven't seen it. Familiar. I'm really excited to. It's awesome, man. It is yeah, such. I can't wait. Like if you're in the mood for it, it hits. It hits really well. It's a lot of fun. It's on the list for sure. Cool, and I, I might rewatch it now because I might get a weird introspective vibe on the whole covid thing i don't know right because corona is just the color out of space <laughs> well thanks I've been so trying much, to ben. resist the urge to watch uh contagion last oh i almost i almost watched it this morning <laughs> yeah. and i, I think it's probably thing. gonna happen yeah i just gotta do it. i haven't seen it before either so oh dude then definitely yeah it's just gonna take all your Sort of uh, <laughs> vaguely defined anxieties about all this and just make them razor sharp. Awesome. Awesome. I watched 10 Cloverfield Lane the other night. And that I haven't was, seen that. That was interesting. Yeah. It's really good. It's set in a bunker. So it's like, right, right. whoa, whoa, whoa. And it's about like an airborne virus, I think, vaguely. I want to go back but. and watch 13, 13 Monkeys again, too. Oh, yeah. Get all my epidemic, pandemic, disaster, through. outbreak movies. <laughs> Yeah, I just watched the Planet of the Apes movies. I just watched the second and the third one for the first time today. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> we could get there. I don't know. One wonders if this isn't the beginning. You know? <laughs> it's it's weird, man. We don't know if it's 
This could go on for like a month, two months, four months, six months. Like It's going to be a long year. I just don't know. But the Olympics still aren't canceled. I was supposed to go to Japan in August, and I don't know about that. I might just be chilling. but I'll be surprised if they don't cancel them. Me too, because that's the biggest sporting event. I know, like the the teams are already debating whether or not they're even going to participate, and if they right. start doing that, I think that, then I it's think like, that's going to be the dominoes that start to right because you can't countries start pulling out. Yeah, you can't just keep the Olympics. <laughs> KD Kevin Durant got tested positive today. Saw that. Crazy, crazy times. Crazy times we're living in. Oh well, thanks for talking to me, Ben. It was a wonderful yeah, my pleasure. Break thanks from all thanks the for calamity. I would love the opportunity to think about something else for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. Stuffed is great. Stuffed is awesome. (laughs) Well, check out uh, check out the soundtrack. Let me know what you think. I think it it makes for a nice. uh, It'll definitely put you in a different headspace. I think I'll put it on while I'm while I'm hanging out drinking some tea tonight and just just see what happens. Perfect. All right, Ben. Well, thank you so much. I'll probably publish this like. Maybe like this weekend, just considering the fact of what we're talking about. Because if I wait, yeah, it's like, going to seem like ancient history if it's more right. Because <laughs> we might not even be here if I, if exactly. I don't get it get it up. So I got to do it for the people. But I'll I'll let That's, you know when it's up. All right.